to kick off our summer schedule at Oakmont. If you look in your worship bulletin, somebody must have liked the idea of a summer schedule. <laughs> if you look in your worship bulletin, you'll see July and August, and actually Labor Day Sunday is a part of our summer schedule with uh, our Bible study hour around 9.40, and then one worship service at 11 o'clock. And by the way, again, welcome uh, to Oakmont today, and if you've not taking the fellowship pads, you can do that right now, uh, pass them up and down your row and make sure that you connect with people who are around you. Uh, we're always glad to have folks live streaming our service or being a part of the worship here on Sunday morning, so welcome to all. Hey, take your Bibles, hope you brought your Bible with you. If you didn't, there should be a pew Bible right in front of you or you can use your mobile device, and we're going to be reading out of Galatians chapter 3. You find the four Gospels and then the uh, book of Acts and then Paul's letters begin with Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians and then you find Galatians. And we've been looking at this idea in the book of Galatians about what's in your Gospel. There's a lot of different stuff that's in our Gospel, the good news of Jesus that we sometimes forget. And one of the things we're going to look at today is the clothing that you wear. What's in our Gospel is that you and I wear the clothing of Jesus. Now, you know, you can tell sometimes what a person does professionally, their job, <clears throat> their work, by the dress uniform or the clothing that they wear, right? So, for instance, if, um, if we were at a professional football game and you looked down on the field and saw somebody wearing a uniform with a helmet on, it'd be safe to assume that that person probably is a professional what? Football player, exactly. If you see somebody wearing a white lab coat, what's it safe to assume they do professionally? They're in the healthcare professional, professional. You know, doctors, a lot of healthcare professionals wear white lab coats. If you saw someone who had a badge on a uniform and they had a uh, holster and a firearm and other equipment, it'd be safe to assume that person is probably what? Law enforcement officer. If you saw someone at a construction with a hard hat on, it would be safe to assume that that person might be a what? Construction worker. If you saw someone wearing a black robe, it would be safe to assume that person is what? A couple of answers, maybe. A minister, ministers wear, clergy wear robes sometimes, and members of the judiciary wear robes, right? So sometimes our identity is locked up in the dress uniform, in the clothing that we wear. Now, look in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, look there in verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now that's one translation your Bible could have. Mine actually reads, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. The word put on means to clothe yourself. It actually means to sink into a garment. Have you ever had a cold winter night and you decide to put on your pajamas at the end of the day or a robe or you put on a pair of sweatpants or a sweatshirt 
you wrap yourself up in a blanket, you got your socks and your bedroom shoes on, and you just kind of sink into that clothing. So that's the feeling of this verse here. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have sunk yourself into the clothing of Jesus. When you sink yourself into the clothing of Jesus, you start to act like, look like, think like, have the heart and the attitude and the spirit of Jesus. And in the early church, baptism was a big deal because it symbolized our union, our unity with Jesus, that we were indeed sinking ourselves into wearing his clothing and acting like Jesus in every shape, form, and fashion that we could. Now, when you wear the clothing of Jesus, a couple things happen. First of all, you start looking at yourself differently. Go back to verse 23. And we talked about some of this last Sunday. Before this, faith came. We were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, the fa now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. We talked about that idea of justification by faith last week, that it's not our goodness, it's not how well we meet the, the law, the expectations of God. It's our faith and trust and confidence in Jesus and his grace in our lives. So when we wear the clothing of Jesus, we understand that we cannot be justified or be made right with God based on our own internal goodness. It's what Jesus has already done for us. That's part of what it means to wear the clothing of Jesus. We look at ourselves differently. But the second thing is, when we wear the clothing of Jesus, we look at other people differently. Because keep going in verse 26. You are all sons, and I see some women in here, so let's put in parentheses, and daughters. You are all sons and daughters through faith or confidence in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have sunk into the garment of Christ. Now keep going, because we're going to start looking at people differently when we're wearing the clothing of Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, one of the things we like to do, we like categories, and we like divisions, and we like hierarchies, and we like rankings. We do that all the time. You know, the pious male Jew of Jesus' day and Paul's day, you know what that male Jew did every morning when he woke up? He prayed the following prayer. Oh God, I thank you that you have not made me a Gentile or a slave or a woman. How do you like that prayer, ladies? Oh God, I thank you that you've not made me a non-Jewish person. I thank you that you've not made me a slave. And I thank you that you've not made me a woman. You know, we love categories and divisions and hierarchies of people. And in fact, you think about everything in life. You know, there, there are different categories in the sporting events. There's major league and minor leagues. There's handicaps. There's ratings. 
Everything in life, you know, we have ranks in the military. Everything is categorized. But when you put on the clothing of Jesus, suddenly all the distinctions fall away. All the socioeconomic distinctions, the educational distinctions, the gender distinctions, what you do for a living, where you were born, your race, your ethnicity, all of that stuff falls away. Because the text says that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now that word one is an interesting word because it does mean to be in union with someone or to have unity with someone. But interestingly, the word one in Greek, heis, that word means to be, also can mean to be distinct or unique or different. So when you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and you read, Hear, O hear Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He's a unique, different, and distinct God. From all the other gods you've got to choose from out there, he's the one. He's the unique one that you need to worship. You see, sometimes we forget that our unity, our oneness with each other, does not have to mean that our uniqueness and our differentness falls away. Sometimes we forget that in our oneness, it doesn't require there to be a uniformity, that we always see everything the same way with each other in the body of Christ. This coming August, Leslie and I will have been married 41 years. And an interesting thing, in 41 years, she and I have never disagreed on one thing. We have never had one thing that we have ever disagreed on in 41 years. You know, during vacation Bible school with the adults this week, I was kind of teasing them about some things, and they said, we think you're Pinocchio. We think your nose is growing. You don't think my nose is growing this morning when I say that, do you? The fact of the matter is we don't see eye to eye on everything. And the beautiful thing about it is that we've been together for 41 years. She doesn't come to me and say, you know, I disagree with you about this. I think I'm going to divorce you. Get rid of you right now. And I don't come to her and say, you know, you don't see things the way I see it on this. I think I'm getting rid of you or I'm going to trade you in for a newer model. And she doesn't trade me in for a newer model. You know, that's the beautiful thing about being a part of God's church. It's messy, it's ugly. We don't see everything eye to eye. And the beautiful thing is that God doesn't expect that. We don't have to sacrifice our uniqueness, our differentness, our not approving or agreeing on everything to still be one. And if you're looking for a church where everybody sees everything eye to eye on all the issues, good luck. Let me know when you find that church. Report it back to me. I want to know what church it is where everybody sees eye to eye on every subject and issue. Maybe you've heard of the actor and comedian Zach Galifianakis. He's a Wilkesboro, North Carolina boy. And in a Netflix interview that was released last week with David Letterman, Nick Galifianakis talks about not graduating from NC State University in Raleigh because he failed one course. He did not pass 
a final exam in calculus by one point. Think about that. He said, I took calculus, and I didn't even own a calculator. And I failed the final exam by one point. So he said, he told David Letterman, he said, I went to the professor's house the next day. And I begged the professor to give me one point. And he said, the professor looked at me for a minute, and he shook his head, and he said, no, I'm not going to give you that one point. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. And besides, I saw you the night before the final exam of my calculus class, and you were heckling the Baptist church softball team. And I'm not going to give you that point. And Zach Galifianakis said, he was right. I was at the game that night. My brother was playing for the Greek Orthodox team, and they were playing the Baptist team, and I didn't realize my professor was playing on the Baptist team. I didn't recognize him on the field, and I heckled him and the Baptist church team and he recognized me, and I didn't recognize him. And he didn't get that extra point, and he didn't graduate from NC State University. You know, the reality is, when it comes to the salvation final exam, all of us are at least one point shy. At least one point shy. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And truth be told, we probably heckled Jesus before too with our actions and our attitudes and our spirits. And the crazy thing is that he calls all of us sinners into this messy thing that we call the church. And he calls us to put on the clothing of Jesus and he says, start looking at yourself differently and start looking at other people differently. So today, you're going out into the community to be the church beyond the building, the messy, mixed up, crazy church beyond the building. I just want to remind you, when you go, you're one point shy and you're wearing the clothing of Jesus. So as my parents used to say to me on occasion, act like you're somebody. You're wearing the clothing of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we come to you this morning and we're grateful that it is our faith and our trust in you, but more so your great grace and love and forgiveness of us when we're one point shy. And God, we just pray that this day, that we would always be aware that we're wearing the clothing of Jesus that through our baptism that hopefully people are seeing a difference in us and they're noticing that as we relate to others there is neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free there's neither male nor female nor any other category we're all one in your son Jesus so God help us to remember that especially as we go out today and be your people beyond the building.
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.